The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Very Loose Women. Good evening, listeners. You've just heard Club Integral, and now you're listening to Very Loose Women on Resonance FM. And this week we're going to be discussing coming of age. I'm Emma, and as usual, I'm joined by... Leo. Hello. I've just realised my, my nose sounds very cloggy. I've got a bit of a cold, so apologies. I hadn't noticed that, Emma, the, down the pub. I thought well, that you were totally fine. Maybe something happened on the way from the pub. We'll talk about coming of age a little bit later, but obviously, as usual, we're going to start with a gripe or a mini, mini celebration. And I'm kind of disappointed to see that from last week's incredible celebrations that I was having, we've both turned into gripers. I, I guess I'm a griper. I mean, a lot of things have made me very happy of late. I, well, you didn't put any of them in the plan. I didn't. It's just because they're kind of serious. Put some some interesting words here that I'm going to just repeat. Kind of quite, um, could be a haiku, a part of a haiku, <laughs> a fragment of a haiku. We have melted kettle, broken lamp. Right. So my flatmate had a really wonderful dinner. That can be another celebration. And... Um, it was really great, but I left kind of early and I went to stay at my friend's house. And um, when I came back two days later, um, there was the the kettle had been melted. So someone had put it on the hob, which I've done a number of times. So, I, I you know, that's whatever happens. So I no longer have a kettle, but also the, the, the string for the lamp in the bathroom was broken. And so I also... I put a lamp in there, you know, like a desk lamp. So it's just like it's a little bit dingy at the moment. And so I'm just kind of like hobbling around, putting water in the in the in the like saucepan and stuff like that. Hold on. Is this the same thing you electrocuted yourself no, on? Different that's lamp. something else. Because I, I, I would think that electrocuting yourself might be quite a big gripe. Yeah. You know, I'm getting yeah. frantic messages from you saying like, Am I gonna <laughs> oh die? God. I've oh electrocuted my myself and I basically feel fine. But should I go to a I really thought I was going to die. I was pretty convinced that I was going to die. No one helped me that night. I went to sleep wondering, like, am I going to wake up tomorrow? Yeah, so I touched a live wire of this lamp. And a few days earlier, a friend was like, you should get rid of that lamp. And I was like, no, 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 it's fine. And then a few days later, I'm totally, like, I have wet hands. And then I touch it. And then I go, ah! And then all of the, the like, fuse flicks. And all of if it hadn't done that, I would have died. I would have continued to be electrocuted. But it was really scary. Um, but then I was speaking to my friend James, who said, if you get electrocuted, you kind of die on the moment. If you're still alive after, that's fine. I mean, fine. that is why no one responded to your Well, you kind of told me that. Well, I just I didn't, didn't know that. I kind of thought... There's nothing that I know about electrocution that Google won't know more about. I didn't want to Google it because what if I Googled, do I die when I get electrocuted? And it says yes. And then I'm like, wow, I'm going to die. What do I do then? So that's why, because we've got a doctor on that WhatsApp group, I figured maybe she, didn't reply she, she might chime in. Okay, so those are your gripes. My gripes were, oh, I have two gripes. And I think they kind of semi-relate, if I'm being charitable with myself, to our theme. So number one is, like, I've recently bought some nice lipsticks. That's a celebration. But I have a problem, which is I don't actually know where my lips end. I'm not clear as to which part of my lip area is the end of my lip. But it's, I think that's the kind of thing an adult should know. At the top lip, yes. But at the bottom lip, I have these little areas that I... It's very hard to explain. There are they stick out where my lip sticks out, but they are like normal, normal as a non-lip skin. Mm. And I'm not sure if that requires lipstick. And yeah, I feel like maybe that's the point in which like an adult would know that, right? Also, my other problem, which is similarly kind of style related, perhaps mm. sartorially related, perhaps. So I went shopping with a friend, being given some vouchers for my birthday to buy some new clothes. I was excited, and I brought a friend along with me because I thought it'd be a fun activity for us to do. And so I was choosing all these like fun outfits to wear, and he was choosing me clothes as well. So you know, I was going to do a little fashion show. 
Um, and he was choosing me like kind of adult ensembles and I was choosing like all these kind of wacky fun clothes and then I did my little fashion show for him and all the stuff that I'd chosen for myself looked awful and everything he chose looked really good and that really depressed me because I thought I was stylish. Is the jumper that you're wearing, is that from that shopping trip? Yes. It looks wonderful. I was looking at the neckline when we were in the pub. It See, looks really lovely. See, this is what I mean. You. He'll be so happy to hear that. Mm. But it made me really like resentful because I don't want him to be better at shopping for me than I am. Leo, I just wondered if briefly, before we, we're going to play at the end this interview, but could you explain who you interviewed and why this is the topic we're talking about? Right. So, you know, last episode, I interviewed Claire Stewart at the London Film Festival. I just remember that very well, yes. Of course. Um, so I actually got onto that interview because I emailed this person who who was representing Jenny Gage, who I interview, um, and sh- and I really, really wanted to one see this film, which is All This Panic, a film where she, for three years, f- documents young women or girls in her neighborhood. They're teenagers, and she films them for three years as they grow up and they, you know, become young women. It got me interested in, in this idea of coming of age, which is where the topic for the show came from. When we were young, what did we kind of think being grown up meant? Because I guess I'm t- kind of understanding coming of age. Well, it's a point when you become a grown-up. So what is that point? So what did we think being grown-up really meant when we were younger? I remember this very specific moment when I was like five or six. And my sister, I think, was about 13. She's eight years older than me. And um, she had like, you know, it was the 90s and she had these like silver rings on her hands. And she has really quite knobbly hands, which I just thought were really beautiful. And I just remember thinking, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to have hands like that because adults have hands like that. But actually, Vanina, my big sister, just has very beautiful hands and I never achieved those hands. What do you think, what kind of like really inaccurate assumptions do you think you had? I mean, that's obviously one of them. So I never really gave it really enough um, thought about growing up. I never really had a plan, which is perhaps why now I'm a mess. I always assumed that I would be everything. So I'd be like all of these things I wanted to be, which is like make films, write books, be hilarious, make loads of radio, which obviously I have been doing. Being hilarious. No, making loads of radio. I haven't been sufficiently hilarious. No one has achieved that properly. Anyway, now I'm 28 and so, sort of age-wise, well into adulthood, um, and I haven't really achieved everything. So I don't, I don't, I just don't feel grown up. So I'm on this masters, and I'm actually one of the three oldest people in my class. And I was always like the youngest in the school, so it's just really weird to be like a super old one and have gray hairs. I guess like for me, when I was younger, I kind of had this conception of like, when you're a grown up, you kind of, you have your ideal job that you've decided on, you know, like 10 years yes, before you're doing yes, it and everything's absolutely. working. Yeah. And also you kind of make all your own decisions. And like probably, I also thought you probably have a family. I don't know if you're choosing, but yeah, I definitely thought like, you just decide on this career path that you're going to have and then you progress down and that's that's yeah, what being a grown up is. absolutely, absolutely. Because I remember having this very specific thought and I don't know what it is exactly but like I've always had a real fixation on seeing whether or not people are married like looking for wedding rings it's only just hit me actually that I do that all the time Mm -hmm. like not if I'm trying to flirt with someone or anything like that but just generally I look to see do you think that people who are married are older yeah I think so but also I just remember having this really like strong feeling when I was in primary school of like when I would look at adults and I would look at their wedding rings and I'd be like everyone gets married Mm. and it would kind of be this like quite like reassuring thought that would be like Mm. even this teacher who like you know you don't often think about teachers having lives outside of school or like maybe you don't even you don't like your teacher necessarily Mm -hmm. but you'd be like even this person who who I don't really imagine having a life you know, because like you're a child, or that I don't particularly like, they're a, they're married, so everyone's married. So that's that was quite a reassuring thought for me, I think. But I think I think the marriage thing touches on what we were saying earlier, and coming of age is maybe making a set decision in your life. And if you're married, it means you've like picked one person, and that's a decision that you've made. I think as well, like as you know, 
beyond primary kind of age when I was older and something I already I have just touched on is like the an inaccurate assumption that I was making as well about being grown up is that like people's lives are a linear progression and yeah. that people kind of achieve more certainty and more wisdom with age whereas you know a lot of people you make some, the same mistakes yeah. over and over again or get trapped in situations they want to be in or yeah you know like do a job for a while and then realize they want to completely change whereas I think when you're younger you just think it's going to be this linear progression yeah. where everything's well, going to get better because that's what better. school is like well, yes. it's not better and better, but it's linear. It's like one, two, three, four, five. And so you kind of assume that once you finish school, you're going to be continuing that kind of rolling carpet. But you're not. It's like many. It's not even a carpet anymore. It's just lots and lots of floor. Rocks in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what does coming of age actually mean to us then? I just wanted to, if I can, read out what our friend said in the pub earlier about the definition of coming of age. So he says that it's... That coming of age is about taking control and becoming the driving force of your destiny and your life. And you no longer have it dictated to you by your parents or your school or a guardian <laughs> he specified at the end. So I, I kind of like that in, in answer to that question. Are you just using someone else to answer your question? Yes. I th- oh, I thought we were going to discuss this point. But actually, no, you're just saying I, ca- okay. I allowed our good friend James in the pub, just mind him for information, to even buy him a pint, probably. And no, then... I didn't. Exactly. I bought him a pint the other day, so he felt he had to buy his today. Okay, that's that seems fair. It's not, though. <laughs> it's not. Okay, well, that is something we could talk about another time. Okay, I, I would somewhat disagree with that, I think, because, I don't know, I feel like you can be a driving force in some ways and still not really be a grown-up. Yeah, that's Like, true. you can make really quite a young age, you can say, like, okay, I'm going to live my life my way, and I think it's only after you kind of mess up a lot of those decisions, then maybe you've come of age, hmm. potentially. For me, maybe coming of age means seeing the reality of the world so like mm. when you're younger you, you're quite naive and you don't you know you kind of just assume that everything's gonna be great assumptions and then yeah. yeah at some point you kind of things kind of hit you a little bit as to the reality of the world knowing what you want out of life and knowing how to dress yourself is something that I'm thinking knowing maybe how, is. Well, that's very close to your gripe it is it's obviously playing on my mind a little bit I, I don't think it's really about dressing that is your opinion. <laughs> it is my uh, opinion. <laughs> okay. Well, let's think about this then. When did we come of age? What was the point okay. where you think that you came of age? I don't really feel super adult. So I left home at 17 to go to university. And that was like, it's more in steps. It's gradual like that. There are like very formal things like becoming 18. But I was already at university when that happened. But then I wasn't like earning my own money until I left university. So maybe that's another one. But then also I wrote... You know, I wrote Lizard. I wrote this book about against coming of age when I was about 18. And for me, one, the process of writing that being saying coming of age, like growing up is not something that I want to do. And I was very explicit about that. I was thinking a lot about what it meant to be an adult at that time. And then when like bizarrely, when it was published, I felt, oh, that's a direction that my life seems to be taking. And it ended up not going further down that because I haven't written a novel since. But that felt like I'd taken a step in a certain direction. I And I actually felt a lot calmer when that happened about possible directions I would go in. For me, that was very core to growing up. Maybe it's a kind of progression that you're, that you're making. So obviously there's several points. So things like I think... You know, the first time that you're in love, for example, Mm. which for me is like kind of goes hand in hand with first major disappointment, I think, um, in my life. So some things like that as well. And and that kind of heartbreak. The first time I was in in love, I don't know if it was love, but it was it was very childish because it didn't take into account the other person. So I feel like that was very, very childish the first time that that happened to me. The first relationship, on the other hand, that felt very adult. 
It felt very, very grown up to me. I, I think I've still not had a, an adult relationship. There's something that I've kind of been thinking about, which is like my relationship with my parents. So I think that I'm definitely not independent. On some level, I'm not independent emotionally. And I've now reverted to like occasionally not being independent financially, which is like an interesting step back for me I think a feeling of um, sometimes giving them emotional care and emotional support for example like when my dad went to his mom's funeral like I went with him as his emotional support I see and like you know obviously my mom similarly when her parents died I feel like I've offered them emotional support so it's maybe feeling of being an equal on some level on, on some in That's some respects to my parents yeah. makes me feel more of an adult or things you know even like something silly like my mom never lets me pay for anything but like when I've ha- kind of sneakily managed to pay for things I had to or, be like, so sneaky with your mother yeah she you, she forces you into a life of sneakyhood but um <laughs> yeah like when I I don't know I, bought, I took her out for like a fancy afternoon tea and I like snuck it snuck away and managed to pay I was I always would say I'm going to the toilet yeah exactly that's a trick I yeah. use I mean I also went to a toilet but I, I then at that mo- moment like pounced yeah. and paid but you know like something like that where it's like well I've actually managed to with my own money buy her something and mm. instead of you know feeling like she's always the one buying me because oh, she's my mother, the adult I, I don't know my mother's always been quite comfortable with me paying for things but I, I've never really been emotionally supportive of my parents I don't think I've ever got to that stage so that's really interesting that you would say that and I also feel like you know both of them have asked me I'm not saying they like massively value my opinion and or like think I'm like a fountain of knowledge but I do think they've both at different points kind of asked my opinion on certain things or like what should I do in this situation or you know my dad tried to preface it in quite a rude way because he wanted to ask my advice on something, but I think he was slightly embarrassed to be asking my advice because I'm, you know, a youngster in his eyes. So he said, you always think you know what to do in every situation. So what should I do in this situation? <laughs> Which I don't know if that's a very good way of asking for advice. Feeling like more of an equal with my parents yeah. definitely makes me feel more of a I, I really, when you were asking me these questions when we were talking about the show, I really hadn't factored my parents into it at all, which is maybe a sign of some coming of age that I need to be doing. But I think perhaps you've grown up slightly more independent from your parents than I did. I have been very separate from my parents for quite a while now. Yeah, that's true. So currently, do we consider ourselves grown up? Mm, No. No, because even though we've hit all these targets or, I don't know, all these kind of big points. Yeah, there's like turning 18, having sex, being financially independent. Like, I don't know, like going through Getting your first paycheck. Yeah. um, Having your first period. That's something we haven't really discussed. And I know that... Just to refer back to a previous Very Loose Women episode. The menstruation ri- ritual in Papua New Guinea. Yes, yeah. which is an excellent episode. You can listen to it on um, ACAST, Stitcher, or iTunes. ACAST.com forward slash Very Loose Women. First time I got thrush, I really felt quite adult because I was like, well, one, I thought that I was never going to be able to have children because I completely misunderstood what thrush was. <laughs> um, <laughs> but also I was like, oh my goodness, yeast infection, that's like a grown up thing. That does sound very grown up. Mm. When you meet people younger than you. Or maybe people who are very immature. Yeah, yeah, that's when it really hits you. So, like, when I'm teaching, I'm obviously in a, in a position um, as a teacher of being very in control of a room and and being faced with very young people, and that makes me feel very, very adult. And, and I take on that responsibility, and I'm trained to take on that responsibility, and I do it, and I feel like an adult in those circumstances. Um, but then... And then on this course, there are people who are younger as well. And I realize things that I would do when I was that age that they are doing, which I have taught myself to stop doing, for example. And which is sad in a way, but also, I don't know, I'm comfortable with the decisions that I've made, I guess. Well, I guess that's another question as well. Like, do we want to be grown up? Yeah. that And that was that when I, yeah, when I was thinking about it, when I was like 18, 19, it was no. It was growing up can only be a bad thing. That was, and like, I would read like all of these French novels, which would always be these 19th century French novels. Someone would leave their 
country farm and go to the city and I was always thinking why would you leave that farm it sounds like you had such a nice life like <laughs> back in the day why would you decide to leave to go on the adventures and like slowly growing up I'm starting to understand why those characters decided to leave why did they decide to leave because it's more exciting and you learn oh. more yeah okay. it's about um, growing up in that case so we're talking about maybe we'll be a bit reluctant to grow up yeah and I think that definitely it's something that is kind of reported on quite a lot in the media like oh people of our generation kind of are quite slow to mm. grow up but like we're kind of stuck in this almost permanent adolescence almost so do you feel like you can uncome or go whatever of age the opposite of come yeah. <laughs> go of age <laughs> i i think so like there are certain responsibilities that you can renege on so like there are certain positions where you can put yourself in which are more childlike um and i i would say what's paired up in more childlike is you have less responsibilities whereas um other ones where you can take on more and I think at every step in your life you can decide to do that or not do it well it's interesting because I think for me like I'm thinking about going back to study mm. and in, in some respects that means that I would have to make less decisions and like not work yeah. in a yeah. kind of employed position yeah but also I think that I would be you know as our friend James said I would be taking control of my destiny because I would be giving <laughs> myself more future options that's true yeah um, yeah studying is a complicated one because you because you have to um, as a as a student be more childlike you have to be very receptive to other people as well and I also think that like something that also a lot of people our age are experiencing that maybe previous generations haven't is moving back home things yeah. like that moving back home having to maybe ask parents for money after previously you know going away to be on your own at uni should we do a very quick blast of favorite favorite coming of age songs that's a good idea yeah films or books all three okay so for the songs the first thing I thought of was not so much the whole song but there's this Cat Stevens song called Father and Son which you may know but there's this line in it which uh, I've just thought about ever since I heard it when I was about 16 and it goes you may still be here tomorrow but your dreams may not and I've always had this fear of growing up is tied into letting go of your dreams and letting go of like all of those secret plans that you have when you're 12 of saying, I'm going to do this, this and this. And that growing up is like saying, this is not realistic. And that freaks me out. No end. So that's why I put in that song. What about you for songs? Um, well, that's that's quite profound compared to all my... <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, no, I always fine. aim to not be profound. <laughs> you, sh- you should not aim to not be profound. Um, I think that like... Oh, Okay, it's a classic, Damn It by Blink-182, because they're, they're kind of, I guess, yeah, talking about having a bit of a realisation of the reality of life. Very quickly, what films? Okay, films. Um, Obviously, All, all This Panic, panic uh, Jenny Gage. Um, the Graduate is my favourite movie, and it ties into that idea of, of saying no to responsibilities and not growing up. I feel like that, bu- that, that bit at the end when he's in the bus and he's like, I've picked someone I love, I'm just going to get on the bus and go somewhere. That's like... I'm not going to do all these like fancy career options that my parents are saying, not that my parents are, um, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to go and discover life and have fun. And for me, that's like the kind of anti coming of age uh, story of, of great cinema, if I may. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And very quickly then any books that we feel like, I, I mean, I know what you're going to say, not just because you've written it in the plan, because <laughs> I know this personal favorite book of yours. Yeah, Adrian Mole, obviously. Um, he goes from 13 to like his mid to late 20s, tw- late 20s, actually. No, 40s even. Um, but anyway, there's a there's a bit in there where he's 
figuring out really fumbly what he's going to do. And and it takes him like really crazy directions. He ends up writing like a cooking book about offals and you just really don't see that coming. Um, so it's just, it's, I like the contrast between really being really good at school and then being a total screw up in your life. And I feel I can identify with that a lot. Me too. Mm. Um, okay, well, <laughs> I was just kind of also thinking about Judy Bloom, mm. which I guess she's very much like kind of adolescent time but yeah I guess I guess like discovering your body discovering your, your friends discovering what you want in your life and oh, Judy Bloom's just great and I think anytime that we can praise her on the show we should okay um okay I think we probably should play the interview now yeah so uh this is the interview with Jenny Gage uh it was uh recorded just last week and she is screening her film at the moment at the London Film Festival I'm in the Mayfair with Jenny Gage speaking about her film All This Panic can you tell me a little bit about the film we followed seven teenage girls um from the age of 16 to 19 growing up in New York City mostly Brooklyn and it's a lot a lot of firsts a lot of talking a lot of running around the city being girls (laughs) And how did you decide on the on the people who you were following, and how old were they when you started? It was a pretty organic process finding the girls. So Ginger and Dusty actually lived down the street from us, and it was right about the time that I had had my daughter, and I was thinking about, like, what will her teenage years be like, and thinking about my own teenage years. And at the same time, seeing Ginger and Dusty walking to and from the subway every day to go to school, and one week they'd have pink hair, and the next week they'd have green hair. I just really wanted to know what was what were they thinking about? What were they talking about? Who were they? And um, were they different from you know? Was it is it different from when I grew up? Um, and so I approached them. I actually approached their parents and asked if we could. Uh, I work with my husband Tom, so Tom and I followed them around with a camera for three years. <laughs> It was a definitely a passion project, and it was just the two of us and the girls. Throughout those three years, and maybe when you were thinking about the project as well, what were you thinking in terms of your own sort of coming-of-age stories, and how was that making you reflect on, on your own story? I mean, it, you know, following the girls was very interesting because even though in today's day and age there's so much, you know, social media and, and all those things that we didn't have growing up, there are so many things that... W- that felt similar to when I grew up. Um, you know, the, the strong friendship bonds, you know, the talking about, like, you know, sex for the first time, figuring out who you are, you know, figuring out what you want to do in life, who you want to be. So it was, it was wonderful to see all that was still the same, and it's really just a very emotional, intense time of questioning for, for girls at that age. Is there one of the characters that you identified with more while you were making it? I mean, I, I identify with a lot of the girls. I have to say, probably Ginger. Ginger is, was insecure, was struggled with her friendships, had surrounded herself with amazing friends, and was trying to figure out who she was. And I, I definitely remember that time in my life um, and feel, having the same questions. And, you know, she was hard on herself and... You are hard on yourself at that time of life. So I've got this this bit that you wrote specifically, oh, that you said in another interview, we wanted to explore their experiences of being a human being and being a young woman in the world and how often nobody wants to hear their voices. So there are kind of two things that I want to ask here. The first is why you specifically chose young women and the other is why do you think their voices are not being heard? Choosing women, it's it's an easy choice. Like young women, um, that's always been a subject matter that I've been interested in as an artist, as a still photographer, um, from a very early age. And um, 
I felt like there were some there were some good movies out there about being a boy, a teenage boy, and I didn't. I felt that there was a hole in the market for actually a coming of age story about girls. And it's interesting, you know, Sage, one of the girls, talks about. She has a great quote of talking about girls in the media and saying they want to see us, but they don't want to hear us. And that was really what. That was the reason why we chose to make a film about these girls and not do stills. I mean, we really wanted them to tell their stories. It was important that it, that it come from them as much as possible. What, what coming-of-age films do you like? I really like Stand By Me. I like Fish Tank. Uh, I love that movie. And I'm really excited to see uh, her movie, American Honey, that's out now. You were shooting with your partner, mm-hmm. and you were shooting people on your block that you knew. How do you feel that impacted the film? In one of the screenings, I thanked my kids for putting up with so many babysitters during that time. A couple months before we knew what film festival we were going to premiere at, which we premiered at Tribeca, I had a dream that the parents came to see the movie at Tribeca, and we didn't even know we were in there, and that they were really mad at me. <laughs> you know, so it was like there's there was definitely anxieties, and actually, uh, at least half the parents didn't see the film until the premiere night, and I had sent it to them, but they're like, no, 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 we want to watch it, and that was really great. All the parents were behind the project. There's one set of parents that were a little bit more tentative and in the end they all loved it and were like oh you could keep filming we'd be happy to be filmed we've thought about going back to the like I keep telling the girls like you have five years to go live your life and then we'll come back and see what's up <laughs> yeah I wanted to I wanted to almost take a magnifying glass to one group of girls that were all friends and really like explore that and it, it, it wasn't supposed to be the film isn't supposed to be like a representation of all teenage girls. There's no way. It's a very small group of girls that actually are friends, so they're on the whole like artistic. You know, they have certain things that they share in common. Did the process change your view of what it's like to be that age? No. <laughs> I, I feel like, I mean, I feel like I've from being a teenage girl at one point, I know about the struggles and the confusion and the joy. And one thing that was interesting was when we started our kids were quite young and by the time we actually premiered the film, you know, it was four years later and so our oldest son had been nine and then he was all of a sudden 13 and all of a sudden we could start seeing, oh, here comes the teenage years and, you know, we really tried to make the film from the perspective of the girls and so at times we could be a little more critical in the film to the parents and as we were wrapping it up I was much more sympathetic to the parents. <laughs> and in terms of the reception of the film, so you premiered at Tribeca and here it's at the London Film Festival, have there any, been any audience comments that have stood out? Is there anything that, you, that was unexpected in the reception of it? Well I think one of the nicest things about the audience reaction was how much they related to the girls and how appreciative they were of their honesty. Because the girls really do bear their soul in the film, and souls. I think that they were really happy that people appreciated it and saw that they were, they were going through stuff and it was an emotional time. Do you think teenagers are more honest? These girls were very honest. I do, I do. I, maybe that. Maybe social media has something to do with that. I don't really know, but I think that the girls who decided to participate also knew what was the point if they weren't going to be honest. And we would tell them that because, you know, there are certain things that were hard for them to reveal, but that they had to trust us and know that we wouldn't exploit it. Do you think that the girls' lives was affected by the film? If it impacted their lives, the, yes. the act of filming? Definitely. I think it, it gave them an opportunity to really reflect on things that were going on, an extra, you know, an extra opportunity. I mean, they've said that it has affected 
their lives. Do they speak about that in the film, about the film? No, they don't, they don't. We, we talked about it a lot during the filming. I think it was really good for them to have grown-ups who they could talk to who, who weren't their parents and who just were one step removed and I think if everyone could have that, it would probably be really helpful. Thanks for listening. You're about to hear Global Globules with Bacon Face. And if you want to follow us, you should go to at VLW Radio. If you want to listen to our podcast, you should go to iTunes, Stitcher or Acast. Mm. And you can check us out on Facebook as well. And yeah, just be our friend. Yes, please. <laughs>